You guys can be seated. Good morning, church. Uh, for those who don't know me, my name's Zach. I'm the pastor here at the Grove. We've been going through James for some time now. We are, you guys probably thought we were going to finish last week, um, but we're finishing this week, I promise. Uh, we'll get through both of these verses today, and it'll be good. Um, but before we do that, just a couple of quick things. Um, Mark mentioned teachers, and uh, um, I love our church. I love our town. Uh, I love my town. It's my town, too. And so we, um, this feels really uneasy, uneasy here. Um, uh, I love our town, and I think it's fantastic. And we have uh, a wonderful school system, and uh, we have a lot of great churches who pour into that. And so one of the things we decided about a year ago is we really want to uh, do all that we can to love, serve, and bless Greenlee Primary. And uh, Greenlee Primary is the primary school in Mitchell County. Um, and so we've been doing that for, for a little over a year now, and uh, it's been fantastic. We've built some great relationships there. We've been able to serve the teachers uh, and the students of that uh, primary school. And so for those of you who weren't here last week when we talked about it or, or missed the announcement, or uh, what we did this past week is school starts on Monday. So this past week, teachers went back to school on Wednesday, and because of your generosity um, and our generosity to our community, uh, we were able to give uh, a gift card for back-to-school supplies to every teacher at Greenlee. Um, and, and so we met last Monday, and people signed cards and wrote little cards just saying, hey, we're praying for you guys. And it was so well-received and something that's so needed. Um, I know as uh, you know, tax uh, cuts come and teachers can't deduct what they used to for spending their own money on school supplies, and and, you know, schools can't give as much as they normally do sometimes. And so we were able to kind of come in and, and, and be the help that they needed to make sure that, you know, kids have what they need and, and teachers have what they need. So I just want to thank you guys and honor you guys for your generosity to the Grove and the mission here that we can then go back out and, and make a difference in our community. So thank you guys for that and showing up last Monday, those who showed up. Um, and so, like I said, we'll finish James. Next week we're going to start a new sermon series um, and so we have a little graphic for that. It's not something, anything great, but we're just calling it the church when we gather. Um, the reason we're going through this sermon series is because we typically go verse by verse through books of the Bible, and in between that, we do something topical. Um, and so this time, we're going to talk about why we do what we do here. Like, we gather on Sundays. Why, why do we gather on Sundays? Why do we do the things we do? So we're going to talk about how we gather, we, we serve, we pray, we sing, we preach, we eat, and, we, and then we go. Um, so we'll talk about each of those things, why we do those things, why they matter, and how we can do those things. Um, and we'll, I'm going to be honest with you guys, we're going to start to change a couple little things, because as we look at why we do what we do, there's some things I think we can do better. Um, and so we'll talk about that next, uh, next several weeks, and I'd love for you guys to be a part of that. If you can make it every Sunday, make it every Sunday. If you miss, please listen online, you know, catch up. We post these sermons online for you guys, because we're going to be introducing some, some uh, different elements into our service, some uh, some, some different liturgy as we, as we begin to really try and shape what we do on Sunday mornings around the gospel um, every week. So, because we're so, and we'll talk about today, we're so prone to forget, we're so prone to wander, that having a day each week we can be reminded of God's goodness and his grace through the cross of Jesus Christ is going to be something that we need in this Ebenezer in our life where we can come back to week after week after week to be reminded. So we're going to go through that and, and talk about that, um, but that's not today. Today we're in James. Uh, James has been a, a heavy book, hasn't it? Um, and it seems to honestly uh, end kind of heavy um, with, with a hope, but also heavy. It's, it's been a heavy book. We, we started off, um, so I'm not going to go through the whole book again. 
We started off the first week just talking about how we need to, you know, like, like James, we need to be servants. Instead of, instead of being uh, desiring to be served by others, that we ought to lay our lives down and serve others, like, like Pastor James did. We talked about how um, we, we should count trials joy. We talked about how we should be hearers of the word and not just, I'm um, sorry, doers of the word, not just hearers how we should show mercy to others, how we should um, talk in our relationships, how we should use our tongue, how uh, the relationship between faith and works. We talked about true wisdom and false wisdom. We talked about generosity. We talked about um, being patient and suffering. James goes back to suffering. So we talked about a lot of things. And one of the things we talked about over and over and over again is how James is going to constantly make us look into our heart and begin to diagnose our heart. Like, do we really believe what we say we believe? Um, is Jesus someone that we've uh, intellectually acknowledged existed, or do we really trusted in him and repented, and we, we, be, you know, we believe in him in such a way that's changed our life? And so James gave us all these diagnostic tools we've been over again and again, and this is how James ends, ends it. Uh, Mark read it, and we're going to talk about it, but this idea that uh, as we read this, we may have revealed in our hearts that we've wandered, as we, we, we may have revealed that, hey, we've, we've done some wandering. We may have, we may have read this and, and, and kind of laid this over our lives and saw that we could look around where we live and see that there's some wandering going on. So we want to talk about wandering, what we should do for those who wander, and what our hope is. And so we'll, we'll go through it again, but he says, my brothers, in verse 19, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So what does wandering mean? I think there's, there's two things. I think James is particularly talking about one thing, but there's two ways we can look at wandering. I think that the first one we, we just think of instinctively, I, I believe, is that this inadvertent wandering, right? So like we, uh, we're heading in a direction and, and something happens and we just start to drift away, right? And so... Um, if, you, if you've never had, uh, if, if you ever grew up in a time where GPS wasn't always around, I know that's not all of us, but some of us had that, um, you know, it's really easy just to stay on track today. Like, you've got a GPS, it tells you when to turn, you know, if you go the wrong way, she begins to yell at you and tell you, now we've got to either recalculate or you're going to make a U-turn. So there's all these things that help us stay on track. But there's times uh, in the past where you can just begin to, to drift and you get off course and don't even know it. In fact, a- airplanes would do this without... Um, they're instruments. And so if, I don't know if you've ever been on an airplane. I know some of us who live in this community haven't. Um, but airplanes, we think of just kind of flying in a straight line, right? Airplanes just go from point A to point B. They don't have to make a lot of turns. There's not mountains up that high. There's not things to avoid. They're just flying from point A to point B. But that's not actually how airplanes work. Airplanes really don't fly in a straight line because of the wind and the turbulence that's up there. They, be, they, they actually fly very, very back and forth. And you don't feel it because they're making minor adjustments. Usually today it's a computer making minor adjustments all the time, over and over and over again. But if you imagine, if I, we were trying to leave here, we just flew from here to Orlando not that long ago. Just a short flight. We were flying from here to Orlando, just a tiny, um, you know, heading, like one degree heading in the wrong direction. By the time we got there, we'd miss Orlando. We'd be somewhere in the Atlantic. Like just one little degree off, and you keep going. It's, you're so far from where you're supposed to be. It's this inadvertent drift. And so what airplanes do is they constantly correct to get where they want to go. There's this inadvertent drifting. Um, and so I, that is a way to wander, but it's not exactly what James is talking about here. Um, the, the word wander in this passage, when, when you look at it and see how it's used throughout the New Testament, it's more of a decision, 
a glad-hearted giving over to the sinfulness of our lives. It's us saying, I like my sin more than I like God. I love my sin more than I love God. And so um, that's the kind of wandering. We're going to look at both because I think both are equally as dangerous as James is making that, making it out to be. Because it says here that anyone brings someone back from wandering, they saves their soul from death. That makes wandering seem super dangerous, right? Like something you don't want to do, something that you want to help others. So there's, there's high stakes here. And we, we wonder, and I think all of us wonder and drift whether we're doing it intentionally or we are just inadvertently drifting at times. I think all of us drift and we're prone to wonder, right? We sing that song. I think it was last week we sang that song. We're prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Like we sing how prone to wonder we are. And so we are prone to wonder. We sing about wondering. We sing about drifting. So we all do it. Um, And so the reason why this is dangerous, though, is, is really, if we think about it, it's one of the reasons we planted this church is because that wondering, that idea, is most people who are wondering have no idea they're wondering. They have no idea they've wandered off. They think they're on the same co- the course they're supposed to be on. Um, and, and the reality is they might sound like church folk, look like church folk, they go where church folk go, but they're not Christians. And that may seem judgmental, but very early on here when I was a, a student pastor, I was talking to this, wom- this young this young woman and talking about her faith, and uh, we were talking, and it, and it became really clear that, like, she kind of just knew a lot of things about Jesus and not Jesus himself, and so I asked her, you know, when did she become a Christian, and her answer was, well, my grandmother's a Christian. I was like, I don't think that makes you a Christian. Like, I don't think that's how this thing works. Like, nowhere um, in the Bible does it talk about how if if your grandmother's a Christian, you get to be saved, and you get to be a Christian. You get to have a relationship with Jesus just because your grandmother did. And so there's this idea where people have wandered, but they have no idea they've wandered. People um, sit in churches over and over and over again and have no idea that they actually don't believe what they say they believe. Jesus becomes more of like a historical figure like George Washington, right? We know a lot of facts about George Washington. We, we believe George Washington was a real person, right? We believe, or maybe we don't believe, he cut down a cherry tree. That's George Washington, right? The cherry tree thing. Look at, yeah, it's a cherry tree. It's George Washington. We believe these things about him, but it's just a historical figure. We don't actually trust in him. But I think sometimes for some of us, the way we believe in Jesus, the way we trust Jesus, same way we believe in George Washington. We believe he exists. We believe he did the things that history tells us he did. And we, we think that's, that, that is what salvation is, and it's not. It's not an intellectual assent to agreeing to a few doctrinal or theological points. It's trusting in. It's submitting to. It's believing in a way that changes your life and repenting of your sins and towards Christ. That's what the gospel does. So when you see the gospel, when you see the beauty of the cross, this is what happens in our life. And so what we've, um, what we've kind of boiled Christianity down to is if you say yes to a few statements and you repeat a prayer, you're in. And that's it. Someone dunks you in water and now welcome to the kingdom brother, right? Like we all sing, hallelujah, this is good. That's not historically what Christianity is about. Like, the, 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 the sinner's prayer, if you've heard of this thing, is not in the Bible at all, right? That should be, like, the first concern is, like, we are using this tool in language um, that's no, no, not found in the Bible anywhere. And, it, and I've heard a pastor say, and I, and I, I agree, that it's, it sounds a little bit more like witchcraft, right? Like, if you say these words, and this will happen. Like, doesn't that sound like you're just repeating some sort of, like, 
spell or something. Like if I, if, I say, if I repeat after this person this incantation, then God must do this. That if I ask Jesus into my heart, then he must come in. But if I don't have to believe, I don't have to repent, there's no, there's no actual change in my life. But if I say these words, then this must happen. That's not historically what we believe. And man, like this is heavy. This is what's kept me up at night. This is why we planted the grove, is we wanted to see people come back. We live in a very churched area. There's so many churches. I could throw a rock at two churches from my house. Someone a little bit stronger than me could probably hit three, um, but I can only hit two. Um, and so we, there's so many churches here. And there's, there's some great churches. You've probably passed some fantastic churches on your way here. But there's um, 3,500 people in Spruce Pine. 17,000 in Mitchell County. We've got more people in Burnsville, less people in Yancey County, but Burnsville's bigger than us. Um, and so we got all these people. We, we, the idea that we don't need more churches, first of all, is not actually true. If you think we can fit all 17,000 people in the churches we have, that's it's just not going to happen. Like, there's not enough room for us to fit them here. Even if, like, all these other churches get, all these people come to their church, we just don't have enough room. And, and, and so here, here's, the, this, is, this is a little rant, and I'm sorry. But if, if we think about our goal to plant churches, like we want to be a church planting church, right? Like this is, our, this is our vision. I've talked about it from day one. Like it's not, it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone unless you're visiting. So we want to plant other churches. When I, uh, when I first came here to pl- and I first decided to plant a church three years ago, it wasn't super received well. I don't know if you guys knew that or not. Um, we were labeled a cult and people didn't like us for a little while. And so if you're here today, I want to apologize that people might say things about you in the community. I'm sorry that's happened, and that will probably continue to happen. But, like, the reality is, is, like, there are some good churches here. But there's not enough to, f- to fit everyone I believe God wants to save. Like, we have to have this big vision. Like, if you read in Acts about Ephesus, like, oh, my goodness. Like, Ephesus was so turned upside down that the people who made money in evil ways rioted because they w- couldn't make any money anymore. Like, why can't that happen in Spruce Pine? If we think we don't need more churches, it means we don't think God's actually going to do a work here. And I believe he is, and I believe he, he, he is, I believe he will continue to call many men and women to himself for the gospel. And so we planted this church, and we continue to plant churches, but, but if, we, if you really look at our context, there aren't a lot of people here, besides Pinland School of Arts and Crafts, that don't know and never heard about Jesus or is even hostile towards Jesus. Everyone knows Jesus, everyone likes Jesus, but there's not a ton of people. The, the, the same can't be said that everyone loves him and follows him and submits to him. And so we plant this church, we want to call people. I mean, if you, if you come here on a day where we baptize people, hear people's stories, like everyone except for one grew up in church. And now they're 30 deciding to follow Jesus for the first time. They've been in church their whole life. It makes me a little, little anxious that my kids are growing up in church. But I think, I, I hope that, that God will use our kids' ministry in a way that might not have been used in other people's lives. But who knows? So this is why we do what we do. This is why we herald the gospel. This is why we preach the gospel every single week. You guys are probably like, man, Zach has one message how does he always go back to this one thing from different texts? I don't get it. It's because this is what every single story, every single page is about in the scripture. It's, a, it's one story about a God who loves his creation, 
has come into his creation to save and to reconcile his creation back to him. And, and, and the thing that keeps kept me up, the thing that continues to keep me up, is that there's so many people who think they're reconciled but aren't. Because by no biblical definition do they follow Jesus, love him, have repented. They just believe that he's real. We read in James that even the, the demons believe that. Don't we want something more than that? So people are wandering, and they have no idea they're wandering. Some people are wandering, and they absolutely know it. They've left. In fact, we've seen this in the news, and Christian on Facebook and the news recently, right? So you see a lot of, um, you know, high-profile uh, Christians leaving the faith. You have Joshua Harris. Um, he's, he was a pastor, wrote a book um, that he later apologized for. I'm with him on the apology part. I'm not with him on the leaving the faith part, but the book did do some damage. Um, and now he's left the faith. You have another guy from Hillsong. I'm going to be honest, I didn't know who this guy was. Um, but he, he's left as well. And uh, so you see people who are choosing to wander. It's this, I don't believe this anymore. I've wandered from the truth. <coughs> this is a very real thing. And, and for some of us, it's so real, it's, it's in our family. It's in our friends. And so this is heavy today, but there is so much hope. There's so much hope in this passage. And so I want us to talk about what does it look like for us? What, what, what should we do to, for those who wander? Because he says, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back. So, so there's this idea that we can bring someone back. Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So people wander, right? That's just like number one. If we, I don't do points. I did last week, I think, but that was really weird. Um, but if there is a point, uh, number one, people wander. And then what we do as Christians is we woo them back. We pursue them. We, with love and compassion, pursue and woo them back to the truth. We engage because it's so dangerous, because there is risk that the soul could die. We woo. Proverbs 10, 12 <coughs> says this. <coughs> Excuse me. Proverbs 10, 12 says this. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. What does that mean? Does it mean if I love someone that their sins are forgiven? No, that's not what it means. It means that the way we bring someone back to the gospel is through love. The way we don't, we don't engage with them to, to be right. We don't engage with them to prove them wrong. We engage with them because we love them and we want to see them come back. Because we care for them and we want to see them find truth. Right? And so it's love. And so it's not that, you know, my love for my, uh, my brother would save my brother, but it's that my love for him might win him back, might bring him back home. And so we love, we woo people, we earnestly seek and love one another because it covers a multitude of sins. So what does it actually look like to love someone who's wandered? Well, Jesus told us in Matthew 18, and so we're going to go to Matthew 18, and we're going to chat a little bit out of Matthew 18 for us to be really clear on how Jesus, it should be up here, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. But Matthew 18 is Jesus talking <coughs> to his disciples about what we do when someone wanders. It says this, 
in uh, chapter 18, starting verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be, as, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. And so Jesus gives us these, these guidelines here. This is what uh, many churches, and ours included, w- would consider what, what church, the process of church discipline looks like. And there's some things I want you to see here. The one is it's, it's long. It's a long process, right? So it's not just you go to someone, you're like, hey, here's your sin. And they're like, nah, I'm good. And you're like, all right, well, you're out. That's not, it's not how this works. It's this long, slow, compassionate, loving process. And then you see what, the, what, the, what is the goal? Is the goal to be right? Is the goal to, like, get them into submission to be, to be back again? No, it's to, it's to gain our brother back. It's love. The goal of confronting and engaging with someone who wonders is not to be right, not to make them wrong, but it's that we might gain them back. It's that what they're doing is dangerous. What they're engaging is when someone wonders, when someone sins, when someone uh, is living in a, in, a, in a place where they're sitting willfully and gladheartedly, and that's dangerous. That will destroy, it could destroy their life. It, James says it, it could mean that they're not a Christian at all. If they continue in this, that's what it could look like. And so we, we engage them with love in hopes that they would come back. And so we um, go to them alone and we confront them and, and we talk to them and we do it in love. And we, in other places, uh, Paul would say to speak the truth in love. So we should uh, be gentle to restore our brother. So we do this in a loving way. There's some of us here today who are so afraid to confront other people. And, and, and we, we, we have what look like selfless reasons, right? We're like, I don't want to confront that person because I don't want them to get upset. I don't want them to be, be hurt. I don't want them to be sad. And, and really what we're saying is I don't want to upset that person because I don't want them to be mad at me. Right? That's what it is. It's like we are afraid to confront other people because we're afraid that we'll lose something. Not them. We're afraid that we'll lose a relationship. So we're saying, you know what? I know what they're doing could destroy them. I don't want to lose a relationship, so I'm not going to talk about it. So for some of us, there's someone who's wandering in our life who we haven't confronted. confronted. Someone who's, who has sin in their life that's, that we haven't talked to them about. And we need to be bold, yet gentle, slow, and compassionate. And go to them like a brother or sister, like, hey, brother, man, like, I love you, and I care about you. And I see this thing, and I'm just, I'm just not sure, like, what, what do you think, like, you know, here's what scripture says, and, and here's what I've seen. Like, wh- wh- what, do you, what do you make of this? And it's loving, it's slow, it's compassionate. And what if, what if, but what if they don't hear? They're like, no, I don't, I don't think what I'm doing is sin. Or I think what happens a lot of times is like, oh yeah, no, I need to stop. And then like, they just keep doing it, right? But they tell you, because we live in a context where everyone's a Christian. So they know the right things to say. They're like, oh yeah, I'm not going to do that anymore. You're totally right, I'm not going not to do that. I'm gonna, not going to be angry as much. I'm not going to... I'm not going to sleep with people who aren't my spouse. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to look at porn anymore. We have these things we say, but they keep going back to it over and over and over again. I, th- I think there's some things we can do there. I think, I think we need to look, hey, does this person genuinely want to stop? Like if they genuinely want to stop, maybe we just need to get them some help. Maybe we need to get them some counseling, some gospel counseling. Maybe they just, we need to like really 
It's not, it's not just like, oh, you're right, I keep doing this thing, and I need to stop, and I'm done. We need to walk through them and let the gospel bear its, walk through with them and let the gospel bear its weight on their heart and what's going on in their life. But, but he, here's, here's, where, here's where Jesus would also say, if it continues to elevate and they, they don't listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So there, there's really what's happening is here is you have to see this. This isn't so that we could just lob more onto the person and be like, hey, look, no, everyone sees it. You're the only one who doesn't see it. That's not what's happening here. What's happening is like, man, like, let's say I go to someone, and I'm like, hey, man, I see this thing in your life, in your heart, and it just, just worries me. Like, this is what, you know, this is what the Bible says. This is what God would have for you, and this is the joy that he would have for you to walk in, and it's not, I'm not seeing that. Would you consider this? And they're like, no, I'm good. As you go to someone else, and I'll be like, hey, this person's being defiant. They're escalating this thing. We need, we need to go get them. We need to both go and just talk to them and really get this thing nailed, nailed down. It's you go to someone, you're like, hey, like, I saw this thing. Am I wrong here? Like, is this really a sin, or is this like a preference thing? Am I, am I wrong, or is, is this actually something that's sinful that we do need to talk, continue talking about? It's, it's almost like we're checking with someone. Like, hey, is this really what I think it is? Does that make sense? Like, it's not just to lob it on. So we, we check, like, hey, man, like, there's our brother, have you, you've seen it, I've seen it. Like, and someone could say, like, no, bro, I think you're, I think you're being nitpicky here. I don't think, I don't think that's a sin. I don't, and you can wrestle with that with your brother. Or you both agree, right? And you're like, hey, you know what? Yeah. So you go to them with two people, and if they don't listen, then you bring it to the church. And, and so this is where things start to get really, really, I think, done wrong in churches, is we're so quick to move to the next step. We're so quick. I think some churches don't do this at all, for one. But I think other churches that, that do do it are so quick to move through this thing. And it's this slow, long process. And so you take it to the church and they still don't listen. What happens? It says you treat them as a Gentile or a tax collector. In, in a tax collector. What does that mean? What, is it we start giving them our taxes? Like, is that what's happening here? No. But, but the idea of Gentile and tax collector is someone who's outside the faith. Someone who's not a part of the family of faith. So what does that mean? We don't let them come on Sunday mornings anymore? No. Because we let people who are outside the faith come on Sunday mornings, right? Like, we do that. And so what it means, is, so when someone's a member here at the Grove, and they, they, they join with us, and they covenant with us, uh, one of the things that we're doing as a church is we're affirming the, their salvation. And we're saying, we believe this person's a Christian, and they're a part of the family. What happens when you treat someone as a Gentile or tax collector is you're saying, hey, we can no longer affirm your salvation. We're not saying that you're not saved. We're just saying we don't know. So we treat them like a Gentile, someone who's not saved. And so we treat them like someone who's not saved. And we don't talk to them? No, of course we talk to them. We love them. We serve them. We care for them. But we can't affirm their salvation anymore. So what, is that, what does that really practically mean? I think, the, I think the one big thing that changes publicly is that the church knows that we can't affirm this person's salvation anymore. And, 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 the, and then what do I say every week when we talk about communion? Is if you're not a Christian, if you're not a believer, please don't partake. So we would ask that person not to partake in communion because we can no longer affirm their salvation. We no longer believe um, confidently that they are, you know, what they believe, what they say they believe, and they're choosing to not 
submit and, 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 and come back, then just don't come to the table. That's it. I know that sounds heavy-handed maybe for some of us, but it's a long, slow process, and it's not to kick them out of the faith because we don't want them there anymore. It's not to shame them, but it's in hopes that something this dramatic would jar them enough to realize the seriousness of what they're doing. That this step would just shake them in a way where they're like, oh man, what am I doing? And they would come back, and they would be received back to the table. They could come back and eat and drink. I, ho- I, hope you're, I know this is heavy, but I hope you're tracking with me. Like, this is what we do because we love people, and we care for them, and we can't let someone wander down a path and just hope someday they'll come back. But we love them enough to woo them and to engage and to plead with them to come back. Some of us have wandered. Some of us know people who are wandering. And so we go through this book like James, and we, and we can see so much of our own life. He, here's the cool thing about James. James is this whole book that's all about progress, not perfection. I don't care how long you've followed Christ, you read James, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to say you don't measure up. It's just going to be like, hey, you're not there. You've got work to do. And that's good news, right? Because it means that God's still working on us. Like, if we got there, then what's left for us? God's no longer working on us? That's not a fun place to be. We want to be worked on, and then one day in glory, we'll, we'll be trophies of his grace. But until then, God's working on us, in us, and through us. And so we, we read a book like this, and we can lay it over our heart, and be like, man, there's some, some areas that don't match what I say I believe, and we repent, and we seek to, to, to honor God and to do better, but some of us have just wandered, and, and, and we don't see, we have blinders on. And so we need community, because all of this assumes community. Right? Like, how do you know someone's wandering if you don't know anyone? Like, if, if you're here week after week after week, but you don't know anyone, maybe we haven't done a good job reaching out to you. That's on us, and I get it, and I'm sorry. And we try to, we'll try to do better, but maybe you've retreated from community. I think that's some wandering on its own. But if you don't know anyone well enough to know if they're wandering, there's something going on there. This assumes community. Like, if we're going to say um, we're treating someone like a Gentile and a tax collector, it's assuming that there's different kinds of people in our life that we treat different kinds of way, right? Like, we have a family, and then we have people we want to be a part of our family. Like, th- these are the two categories for the Christian. We have our family, and we have people we, we are hoping can come be a part of our family. And if we don't have a, a delineation there, if we don't have, the, there's two different kinds of groups, and just everyone's kind of foreign to me, then we're missing it. And so the way community happens at the Groves, we talked about last week um, at length, I don't want to like just hammer us again, but we do home groups. And home groups are the place where we can, can, be, can become, be strengthened, and be encouraged as a family. We have um, five right now throughout the week. We have Sundays in Micaville. 
We have Tuesdays in Spruce Pine, and then we have Wednesdays in Spruce Pine, Bakersville, and Burnsville. We try and hit all the Vils and the places in between. So this is, this, like, there's so many opportunities for you. Um, the reasons why we do a lot on Wednesdays, uh, there's two reasons, just so you know, in case you've wondered, why are there so many on Wednesday? Um, one, it's just, like, kind of the only time a lot of us could do it, um, and especially people hosting and, and teaching. Uh, and, and number two, I think the reason even for that is because our culture kind of gives everyone Wednesday night off to go to church, right? That's like the culture we live in in Spruce Pine, kind of just gives everyone Wednesday night off to go to church. It's assumed everyone's going to Wednesday night church, and so everyone get, there's no, there's no ball practice for our, our rec league ball. There's no, there's just like everyone, besides actual like, you know, like um, working in the community, like, but the community events, kind of just Wednesday nights are, are free. Everyone gets to go to church. And so <coughs> it just works out for a lot of us. That's the night we have. We don't have to, there's no little league. There's no uh, soccer practice. There's no football practice because everyone's just giving Wednesday nights off. So we have those for you guys to come be a part of a family. You have to know people. You have to know, and, and, and then you have to be known because you have blinders. We all do. There's blind spots in our life that we just don't even see. It could, be, it could be the way you talk to your wife. It could be the way you talk to your kids. It could be some stuff you're doing at work. It could be the way you play sports. You think you're just competitive and God made you that way, but you're just being a jerk and you don't see it. And so it takes someone to be like, hey man, like, I love that you like to win. I think it's fantastic, but you're, you're kind of making us all feel bad. We just want to play and have fun. And so we have these blind spots in our life, so we have to be known. And look, it's okay to be known. It's actually a joy to be known. It assume, so these scriptures assume that we know people, but it also assumes that we'll be known. That people have to know things about us. People, we have to let people in. And that could be a scary thing. And look, it's not always going to be, like, fantastic let people in. You could get hurt. The thing I would tell you is it's worth it. It's worth it. So in high school, I've shared the story a bunch, but it, but it bears repeating now. In high school, uh, I, I came to faith. I started going to Calvary Chapel of Amador, um, and I was um, not a good guy. I was still having sex, even though I was a Christian. Or I said I was at least. I don't know when God saved me. It's sometime in high school probably, hopefully. I'm saved today. That's what matters, right? Um, and so I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying I'm a Christian, going to youth group. God helped me. I was teaching stuff. But I was, I was still having sex with women, and um, I was lying about it because true love waits, right? We were supposed to kiss dating goodbye, and I would not do that. And so I just lied about it like every good Christian, right? We just lie, because church is not a good place to be honest, historically. And so I would lie, and I had, I had a couple of friends who really believed me. No one at school believed me, but I had a couple of close friends who really believed me, Kyle and Andrew. And people would say things about me at school, and Kyle and Andrew would defend me and tell them they were wrong. And after high school, I decided I needed to confess. I needed to be honest about what happened in high school. Um, so I told Kyle, I told Andrew, and man, these were my best friends. Like, like Kyle was a Christian since, like, he was young. 
um, he helped me a lot learn about God. Because I, I, when, I, when I started becoming, you know, going to church, becoming a Christian, like, everyone knows these stories. I don't know any of these stories. Like, yesterday, I spent a long time talking about Elijah. I had, like, when I came to faith, someone was like, yeah, Elijah, calling down fire from heaven. I was like, what? You can call down fire from heaven? That is so cool. How do we get that? Like, how do I? Like, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know there was, like, stuff. That stuff had changed some t- a little bit. Like, I didn't know what was going on. I thought that was a spiritual gift. Like, that was, I never saw those on the questionnaire. Like, where was that one? You know, like, I just, I had, like, I was just so naive. And Kyle helped me, like, develop some stuff. I had other guys who were older than me, too. But, man, like, we, I, would, I would stay at Kyle's house. And we would just talk. I'd stay, you know, Andrew would come over, and we would just talk about God and Jesus, and it was awesome. And so in, in college, I confess my high school sin to these guys. I had two wildly different reactions. Andrew was beautiful. I, I, I mean, like, I confessed some stuff, and Andrew turned around, and he confessed some stuff, and we prayed for each other. The night I confessed to Kyle, my closest friend, I haven't spoken to him again since that day. He was so hurt and so broken by what I did and how I lied to him and I let him defend me to people. I never, he never wanted to talk to me again. But I wouldn't change that night in it for, for anything. That night was so freeing for me. Because you have to imagine, like, imagine what it's like for someone to say, hey man, we need to talk, and do you not be worried about that? Like, imagine that feeling like there's nothing in your heart that you're afraid someone's about to tell you they found out. That is a freeing feeling. When someone's like, hey man, can we talk? And you're not like, oh geez, what, what do they know? What did they find out? But you can just be like, yeah man, what, what, when do you want to talk? Like, that is a freeing moment. And so I wouldn't change that. So like, look, it's not always going to go well, you being known. But it's worth it. You might lose friends. You might be hurt. Someone might say something about you. So, so here's the thing. We, we, we want to be transparent with people. We want to be trans- We want people to know us. And then with a few people, we need to be vulnerable. That's different than transparency. Transparency is you lowering your shield and saying, hey, this is who I am. And vulnerability is you laying down your shield and handing someone else your sword. And saying, I'm going to give you some information that you could hurt me with. But I want to be vulnerable and I want to be known. And so I give it to you. A pastor said, and I, and I love it, he says, to be 99% known is to be completely unknown. That if there's no one who knows everything about you, then no one knows you. And, and here's, here's why I think a lot of us will not be known by people. We just refuse to be known. Because we're afraid if this person knew this thing about me, they wouldn't love me anymore. You're afraid to not be loved. But the reality is you can never be loved unless you're known. Because if they don't know you, they don't love you. They love some version of you that you've put out there that's not real. If you're not known by anyone, you're not loved. Here's the good news of the gospel, and here's where we'll land today. Is that God fully knows us. He completely knows us. There's not a thought or a deed that you've had or done that he does not know. And yet, he came for us. Yet, in love, he's wooed us. 
And for those who are in Christ, he's died for us, forgiven us, taken our sin so far away from us, and washed us white as snow. Like This is what Jesus has done for us, despite knowing everything about us. What more do you want? Why won't you be known? What are you looking for that's not fulfilled in that? I don't know if you're ever going to find it. We have to be known. Because we're already known. And we're loved and affirmed. And so let's be known and let's be transparent and vulnerable. So if you, if you um, have wandered here today, you're someone who's wandered, maybe inadvertently, where you're just like, hey, um, I know the truth, and, and I've kind of just veered off of it a little bit. Would you come back? I don't know what it is. Man, I just pray the Holy Spirit would tell you right now. But I also pray if there's someone in your life who does know what it is, that they would tell you. Because that's the means by which God has designed us to love one another and to sanctify us, is by us being there for one another and speaking the truth, speaking the gospel in love. So if you've wandered uh, on purpose, you've, you, there's some sin in your life that you just love. You know you shouldn't, shouldn't be there, but you just, man, I love it. It's good. It's like a little pet sin. Maybe you think it's not that big of a deal. Maybe you think, it's okay. It's not, I'm not hurting anyone. You're hurting yourself, and I guarantee you're hurting people around you. Whatever that sin is, would you come back? Would you repent and come back? So we're going to have communion here in a moment. Um, and, and if you've wondered, would you just repent and come back to the table? And when we, when we come to communion, what we're doing is we're remembering what Jesus did for us. We're remembering that despite knowing everything about us, he loved us, he sacrificed himself for us. And we're remembering that. Remembering his broken body and his spilt blood. And we're saying thanks that you know me, and despite knowing me, you've come for me anyway. So if you've wandered, come back today. Come to the table. Come eat. Come drink. Worship with us. We're going to eat. We're going to drink. We're going to sing and respond to God's word. <coughs> and we're going to, um, if you're a member of the Grove, um, if you're a covenant member with us, or you um, are a uh, supporter of us, this is our time to give as well. We have a box on the table. You can give online or you can give on this, uh, at this box up here. Um, if you're a guest here, please don't ask me or, or hear me asking you that you should give. This is, I, I just hope this service and this sermon, as heavy as it is, would just be a gift to you. Um, but for those who uh, come and support our mission uh, and our covenant member, this is our time to, to worship through giving, to worship through eating and drinking and singing and responding to God. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll end... Uh, if you want to pray, if you want to um, pray and just, and just need prayer, I'm going to be off to the side over here. You can come up, get communion, go back to your seat. But if you want prayer, just come talk to me. I'd love to pray for you, to pray with you. Um, so I'll pray now, and then we'll sing. Father God, I just come before you, Lord, just so thankful um, for this, this church family, God. Lord, I'm thankful that I'm known and that there's still people who come here. I don't know. Lord, I'm just thankful for your grace and your mercy, Lord, um, that you've seen, you, you saw fit to, to come after us, even though we don't deserve it, 
even though we've rebelled, um, you love us. And so I pray for those in here today who have wandered, Lord, that you would just continue to chase after them, that you would put it in, in the hearts of those around them to woo them back in love. God, if there's people in our lives who have wandered and we haven't engaged with them, Lord, give us the courage and the gentleness and the compassion to engage with them, Lord. If there's people who have wandered in our life and we have engaged, and we've got, maybe we've, we've gone through all that we, we're supposed to, Lord, and they're still not coming home, I pray that you would continue to work on them, continue to love them, continue to, to woo them back to you. And for the one who's tried, the one who's tired of trying, would you just love them? Give them grace and peace, Lord, that they may feel comfort from you, our comforter. Or sometimes it's hard to engage and to woo someone who refuses to come home. So give your grace, the grace we need to get through each day, knowing that our loved ones have left. Father, I love you. I'm thankful for this, this body here. Would you just um, hear our, our praise today and hear our songs um, and pray that it would bless you and that you would bless us with your presence as we worship. And I pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys.